Gangsters, let's talk about the details. Because I think you'll all agree, the details matter. And if you're as obsessed by detail as we are at the Sprue Cutters Union, you should be buying parts from Anna's. Look, I've known Tom Anna's for a while, and I can tell you that he is a man with a single-minded dedication to improving detail. Whether it's 3D printed parts like knobs, switches, connectors that you can use in cockpits, decals, braided lines for your engines and hoses, or even 3D files that you can print at home on your own 3D printer, Tom's got you covered. He's really thought this through because he's a model maker and he uses this stuff himself. And now, Anis is also the European Union seller for the new book from Inside the Armor called Perfect Pits. So, not only can you buy the stuff you need, you can read all about how to use it in this neat little volume that our very own Chris Meddings has produced, and it includes articles from Tom, your own Veen, and myself. And, don't forget, you can get a Sprue Cutters Union exclusive discount, 15% off when you enter the code SCU at checkout. So, if the details matter as much to you as they do to us, head on over to Anyz, that's A-N-Y-Z dot I-O right now and arm yourself with everything you need for your very own perfect pit. Friends, the show you're about to hear may contain coarse language, progressive attitudes about scale modeling, and in-depth discussion of technique and concept. If this is not your thing, get on your bike. Otherwise, please enjoy today's show while at the bench, on the drive to work, or while enjoying an adult beverage. Welcome everyone to episode 30 of the Sprue Cutters Union. My name is Chris Meddings. With me, I have my compadres, Tracy Hancock. Hello! And William Patterson. What's up, gangsters? <laughs> uh, a bit different this week. We've been building up a load of letters and stuff, and we put out a call asking for people uh, to write in on a subject as well. So this episode, we're going to be d- digging around in our sack to see what we can pull out. <laughs> and uh, we're also, frankly, we've been away for three weeks, and we're all really pissed off about everything model-related because that's the main main <laughs> hobby for me with models is, is being really fucking annoyed at models. So uh, we're going to dive into some some things that irritate us as well. So if you don't like swearing and you don't like people being negative about modeling, well, you're listening to the wrong fucking podcast, aren't you? But before we do that, we what's everyone been up to? We each have a burr under our saddle. Burrs. It's fucking sandpaper burrs. for a saddle. Multiple, got. multiple burrs. A we've whole got sticker glass, patch under that. Crushed glass saddles. Yeah. That's what we've got. So, <laughs> uh, go on, Will. You can start. What have you been up oh, to? Oh, with what I've been with what I've been up to. I, you know, as usual, I've been very singularly focused. Um, when I got back from that uh, thing in Omaha, I was motivated, and I immediately got back to working on the bare metal foil adventure. And I've been pushing aluminum foil around for the last couple of weeks. And that's that's been a bit of an adventure. It's tedious, it's slow, and it is like this uh, siren song that just teases you constantly where you, one minute you think, God damn, this is, this is so cool. This looks like real aluminum. I'm super happy. And then the next minute it's just a complete shit show. And uh, 
I honestly don't know how it's going to turn out. My efforts to find a different alloy of foil uh, paid off. I got some. Uh, it was like, you know, finding hen's teeth. And it works. And I can polish the shit out of it in a matter of seconds. And it looks amazing. But the fact that it's a harder foil also means that it doesn't like the curve things so much. And so there are places, you know, and I did, and I, and I, in typical dipshit fashion, chose the hardest thing I thought I could foil at 148 scale, which is that little Mustang. So, like working around the scoop and all of those places, I don't have any choice but to use the thicker, softer foil. And, uh, yeah. So it's kind of a patchwork quilt, which is cool, but I honestly still don't know if I'm going to end up liking it when it's done, but I have made the decision that it's time to shit or get off the pot and I'm going to see this thing through, you know, one way or the other. So that's really it. Just, uh, just been working on that. Um, and, uh, got, uh, yeah, nothing really more to report. I mean, this particular grail, has been a long time in the searching, isn't it? You've been like working on this bare metal foil thing for a long, long time. And whether it works or not, yeah. you've probably got the best material you're going to get to work with it. And it, it is time to put it to the test. And... Yeah, I think so. I, I, I have, <laughs> I think I've tried everything that anybody is trying with foil. I don't, I don't know what else is out there. I, I don't think anybody else has gone as far as trying to find a, a a a harder foil um and i think i'm at the point where i believe that it can work for the project this is actually all about because this little mustang is really a mule this is not the real thing and i believe that the thing that i'm really trying to do will be easier because for one thing it's bigger i'm convinced that if you're going to do foil you're wasting your fucking life if you're doing it on anything smaller than one thirty second. Uh, I mean, partly because the the you know the the surfaces are just bigger and easier to deal with, but also because it goes back to that surface finish. Because the truth is that any sort of scratch from sandpaper or whatever that shows in that foil at one thirty second scale even is too big. So you know, and that's just that's just the nature of it. So anyway, yeah, that's sorry. I didn't mean to keep going, but <laughs> that's where it's at. I think a lot of people are interested in the results, you know, I mean, like, mm. you know, you're, you're doing things the hard way, but the ultimate result may end up being something that opens up a new door, you know? It might, I don't know. You know, I'm just, I've always been fascinated by the, by the metal finish thing, partly because I've spent a lot of my life working with real metal and I love it and it just looks different and there is no paint ever that can really do it. Um, Even the best chrome paint finishes, which are hard to get, have to me and I think to anybody who's spent a lot of time with metal in their hands, a slight difference. And it's just, you know, it's, it's like I was saying to somebody one day, it was, it's like the gold rush, you know, these miners would lose their minds at any hint of color. And it, you know, it often turned out to be fool's gold and people were like shooting each other over it. And, you know, 
starving in the wilderness at the mere prospect of, and, and I feel like this is the same with scale modelers because all these like aluminum paints that we use, they're all pretty much the same. But as soon as somebody comes out with a new one, you guys know what happens. Everybody's like, oh, wow, it's amazing. And it's really not. It's the same. So <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's pure craziness. I don't care like you do. I'm quite happy to use uh, aluminum paints. And to me, they look fine. But I'm still following your journey, not because I'm ever going to do it, but just I get so much out of watching someone being truly methodical <laughs> torture and, themselves and taking <laughs> like an engineering approach to it of testing the materials and working on the material and it's just interesting for me watching how you methodically work through it to eliminate things and to you know it's a proper method fucking methodical it's a proper uh <laughs> structured <laughs> way to approach a uh um uh, one of these modeling grails you know yeah a, a real yeah, modeling uh, problem and for me it's just a I don't know if I'd say a pleasure, but it's very, it's fascinating to watch. Well, I, I appreciate that because I don't know of any other way to approach it. And, and, and but, but you brought well, up a usually really the Im- way modelers approach it is half-assed. So it's nice that you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you brought up a really important point and, and that is that, you know, you're fine with aluminum paint and a lot of people are, and that's totally okay. This is very much a case of what looks real might not look good. Uh, you know, I may get to that point where I have to make that decision too. I mean, I fully understand that for some guys, you know, a metallic silver paint, you know, at, at one forty eighth scale is what looks good to them. I'm not saying it looks like aluminium. It's just, I can live with the fact that it doesn't, it, it's close enough, you know, but I could also appreciate the fact you want it to look like aluminium. Yeah, which is a very exactly. It's, it is possible to hold both ideas in your mind simultaneously. You can you can appreciate that it's not the real that it doesn't look like the real thing, but you still love the way it looks. That and and that's and, and I think that that a lot of guys have a hard time kind of getting to that and maybe being okay with it. So I'm glad you brought that up because it, at the end of the day, it, these are just representations of the real thing, and it really just comes down to what you think looks cool. Or what you have access to or what you're willing to do for a model. Yeah, you know. yeah. How many fucks you've got. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You get and, and with this foil thing, you had better have a very full tank of fucks. <laughs> I think you've been stocking up specially, right? <laughs> you've been hoarding yeah. them. Yeah. Cashing That's in why all you my don't coupons. give any for anything else, right? <laughs> you got none left for anything else. <laughs> Mustn't spend them. Mustn't spend them. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's enough of my shit. What about you, Hancock? I have been uh, tackling home improvement projects, still ongoing home improvement projects in the on the horizon. Um, I have not had a whole lot of bench time, but I've been plugging away at the AFV Club Scimitar. Um, I have assembled a full run of the Master Club tracks with their tiny little resin pens. Um, and along the way, it's fine. You, you just kind of get in the zone, right? You know, I, well, they're I not big on, tracks, are they? They're not big tracks. You just have to, especially with the pens, you have to sort of get your touch right. You know, so you're not pinging them all over the place. The first time I ever, uh, I guess the, the Chi Nu that I built, I used the Master Club tracks and I pinged quite a few of the pens. Uh, but luckily they give you quite a few more. 
Um, but on this one, I'm going to knock on something wooden. Um, I've just, I just have, with the experience of the, the previous set of tracks, I just realized like a gentle touch, just enough to, to grasp the pen um, and, and put it in there. And, and I haven't pinged any uh, on this whole run. Uh, one or two that I've dropped, I've found. Uh, so that's not too bad. I will say on, on this uh, run of tracks, I, I've run into a few that have like really, really minor casting flaws, super minor, but mm-hmm. they, after dicking around with them a little bit, they, they take a good deal of effort to clean up and get to a point where they do fit uh, against the previous link. And I've realized that I've wasted uh, quite a bit of time like trying to get those uh, slightly flawed links to work when I've got a full bag of links. So now what I'm doing is when I run into those, I just set it aside. And, yeah, I was and I keep say, going. You get <laughs> yeah, but you also get fixated on like, well, why isn't this working? And then your problem solving brain is like, I can make this work if I just like, you know, shave off a little here. And if I yeah. just file this little bit there. And then your problem solving brain is like taking up all your time. Um, so if I need to come back and rework any of those links that I've set aside, I can. But at this point, I think it just needs to be put out on the air in public. Like if you get to that point, don't be afraid to just set that link aside and keep going and come back later. Don't get fixated on it like I have. Um, and the other thing I've done is I've cleaned up the I've got a set of mini art uh, modern British AFB crew figures uh clean those up and use my favorite will pattison trick um of using liquid frisket to put them together nice. so, so that i can um see what kind of adjustments need to be done to fit those into the positions in the scimitar uh and for those of you who are unfamiliar with what i'm talking about will inadvertently dropped a little knowledge that i've been using and i i've let him know a few episodes back just taking li- liquid frisket. Um, again, I, I've used it to assemble figures so that I can manipulate them and see how they fit in places, see what adjustments need to be done to make them work for what I want them to work for. Um, it holds incredibly well. But when it comes time to take them apart, all you do is pop them apart and, and scrape off the liquid frisket, which comes off quite easily. I've also I think used- we should... Uh- we should probably tell everybody what liquid frisket is. Cause I know a lot of guys know, but there's going to yeah. be somebody out there who's like, what we the fuck are you talking before. about? Yeah. We don't have it in England. So carry on. What do, I mean, what do you have? I don't know what's liquid frisket. I can't remember. I did ask. It's like a masking fluid, right? It's yeah. It's, it's masking a, yeah. Fluid. It's, it's a masking fluid that I think never heard frisket y- apart from last time you mentioned. Yeah. It. That's a, th- <clears throat> I, that's a term I think that comes from graphic arts, like the yeah. old back in the old back days. Back in the old days, were, yeah. Right. So oh, you could use work. this stuff to mask on a piece of paper, even. Um, yeah, they had frisket film it, that you could mm-hmm, lay right. down and then gently cut around. Comic book artists and and things like that use it quite a bit. Right. Um, but uh, liquid frisket, I think I feel like it's a derivative in some way, Mister Chemicals. You're going to correct me. Um, <laughs> it's got to it's got to be a cor- derivative of like rubber cement it, it's 
I think it's a, I think the first half is right. It is very rubbery and I think it has latex in it. Yeah. Um, because, uh, ammonia will dissolve it. And it's like, have you ever had it go bad on you? Like it, no. it'll get old. Like the liquid stuff will get old. And when you open the bottle, it smells like a dead animal in there. Ooh. So I don't know what <laughs> they make it out of. I don't know if it's really late. Dead animals. Or if it's, they might. I mean, you know, because th- when they talk about taking horses to the glue factory, there's a reason for that. Right. So listeners, I, uh, listeners won't be able to hear it, but I've got in my hand a bottle of liquid scale Zoom Masculin from um, Solid Scale. Sorry, Solid Scale in Germany. Um, and uh, yeah, it stinks of ammonia. And it's rubbery, yep. and it is. It's yep. liquid um, latex. It looks like, ammonia, yeah, it looks kind of like heavy, kind of like heavy cream. And when you when yeah. you get it on your like you like you can put it on your fingers, and it just starts to dry almost instantly. And you can roll it around, and it's like having a booger on your finger. It gets yeah. kind of yeah. it, it's rubbery. It's one of the two types of liquid masking fluid that we have access mm. to. I think the uh, Mister Masking Sol Neo is the same stuff. It's the light green milky looking stuff. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to the translucent green, Mr. Masking Saul R that's more like that micro scale liquid mask stuff. It's more of a plasticky film that doesn't stretch as much. I'm using the Vallejo liquid masking and it's sort of a, uh, you know, minty green kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, aside from assembling your figures and, and testing them out and things like that, I've also used it for uh, wobbly road wheels that don't like to stay on. Um, so when you've got your model built to a point where you need to do a, a quick photo shoot of the build before you move on to priming and painting, I've used the liquid frisket to stick the wheels on, make sure that they don't fall off every time you turn the damn thing while you're making a photo yeah. of it. <laughs> God, I wish I thought of that. <laughs> I cannot tell yeah. you instantly. I can picture the amount of times so I've gone fucking fuck when I'm turning it around. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little, uh, it's a little trick, man. And and I find that I'm using it a, quite a lot. It's it's a really useful little thing. It's a it's a non gluing glue, really. Yeah, uh, it is. I wonder so funny, if funny, it would have funny, just it. enough strength to hold loose parts on models while you're traveling with them, like a turret on a tank or something. Yeah, it might be good for it, it, Yeah, very well could. Yeah, it can, yeah, I mean, you can use a lot of it because it because it all comes off in one big chunk. Mm-hmm. And there are times like I have the I have the sliding canopy on my P40 permanently glued on with masking fluid, the other yeah. kind, but same deal. So, but here's kind of a funny aside about liquid frisket. In the lexicon of SMCG, it's be called it's become known as whisker biscuit. Because somebody's auto, <laughs> autocorrect changed it to that, and turns out that whisker biscuit has a completely different meaning in yes, some places. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> I am not going to ask. Let's move along. Yeah. So that's me. Uh, I'm still trucking along with that. It's my main project at the moment, and I'm plugging away as I can. I do like the Master Club tracks. They they're a little time consuming, but again, you just get in the groove like assembling any other kind of tracks um, and you can knock them out quickly. Very Always cool. good to knock it out quickly. It's not what she said. As long as you're staying on track, <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> what about you, Mettings? Uh, well, I've been really secret, busy. but Secret I'm, project. I'm, yeah, and no, I'm going to say what it is. I'm not going to say what it's for, but I'm going to say what it is. 
it's the the secret project. The the thing I'm working on is the plastic potato, the um the AZ models KI forty eight Lily one forty eight. Uh, and I'm doing it for another publisher. I'm finishing the article for another publisher. So when I did the scratch, where you're cheating on yourself, cockpits. I'm cheating on myself. <laughs> um, fucking fuck! I swear, if as much as you think I'm swearing on this show, I'm virtually out of. I've virtually run out of swears today because I've been rescribing, and it's one of those days. You know, some days you're like, like a fucking knife ninja. Scribe, scribe, scribe. No problem. You know, like like John Chung, you know, masking ninja, zip, 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 no problems. Today, I'm like stupido, the ham-fisted fucknut, because every <laughs> line I scribe, it's coming off. And it's like, it's a squirt, squirt, squirt. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, fuck! Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, fuck! I hope someone's doing their lawn work listening to this. That makes them jump. Um, I don't know, but when we when you come to Texas next year, we're getting you a T-shirt that says "Stupido the fuck nut" on the front of the yeah. <laughs> Get a tattoo. Uh, so today I've been mostly practicing filling badly scribed, <laughs> rescribing them. But I finally got the wing roots sorted out, and now they look um, uh, to quote the guys at the gate. They look like butter. Uh, they look really good, but. It was like three days' work, filling and sanding and filling and sanding, because I didn't want to go for a half-assed uh, finish on it. You know, if you're going to fix it, you should fix it properly. So just to get it nice and smooth. Then I found out I'd done the panel line wrong, where they joined the route and had to redo that. And it's like, oh. well, and there's nothing worse than I mean, you see somebody's model where they've done all this great work, beautiful paint, beautiful weathering, and one of those scribe lines is like. Rah! It, it, yeah, you know, exactly. it sticks out like a sore thumb. So you, you, you know, it's good, good on you for being relentless about fixing the ones that got wonky. Well, how do you, well, how do you do it when you have to fix one? What do you do? I fill it again and do it again. What do you fill it? Generally, with? I fill it with. Uh, you're going to like scream at the at the microphone. <laughs> I've been using uh, Vallejo plastic putty, and actually, it's pretty good. Oh dear God. <laughs> it's acrylic it's uh marble dust in acrylic medium and it's actually unfriend block report <laughs> the trick to it is to leave it to dry a long time you do because it, it appears to be dry almost instantly but really you have to leave it a few hours for it to harden and then it will sand well if you don't it it's like rubber and it just lifts much like their primer <laughs> just lifts if you fucking look at it uh, but this is, uh, yeah, uh, for fine work, it's not bad. So that, that's what I've been doing it with. That's pretty normal, right? I mean, we're used to things taking a few hours to fully harden. The wow. older you get, the longer it takes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I've been working on that. And, and um, I've been looking at plans and things to do the rivets. And the more I look at it, the more I think, well, that's fucking wrong. Well, that's fucking wrong. So... In addition to rescribing it, I've actually had to rebuild half of it as I go. I knew the nose was wrong. I knew the angle was too steep on the nose because it's very famous. And thanks to you two, like trying to make me a better modeler with this podcast, I couldn't leave it anymore. So I cut the top off the nose and fixed it, which is more difficult than it sounds because I put two wedges in to lift up the panel. But of course, you have to get that oval right on the nose. And if you just lift it, what you get is an oval with a kink in it. So I had to like stretch it out a bit and then fill it and then get it to stay in place so that the 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 shape of the the profile of the front is a nice smooth curve, mm-hmm. not a one with two dents in it. So that was a pain in the ass. Um, but also I've noticed things like 
the fillet at the end of the wing route is way too short and that needs to be extended and stuff. You know, people said to me, oh, it's not a bad kit. I'm like, have you fucking looked at plans? Because it, <laughs> it is it is a very bad kit. But it's the only one we got. So there you go. That's what I've been working on. I also, um, very briefly, it didn't help. I've had a deadline on that, and uh, which came up a couple of months ago. But by then, we'd already booked a family holiday. So I've been off to Scotland and Orkney for 10 days in the middle, which didn't help. But there you go. Yeah, you had some good pictures from that. From yeah, that I went trip. to Scapa Flow. It was amazing. Well, I wanted to ask you, why is it called Scapa Flow? What does that? What does that mean? Don't know. Scapa is, is, is a local. It's just the name of it. It's, a, it's like an Orkney word. Um, the the locals there are historically a mix, I believe, of uh, Gaelic, Scottish, Celts, and um, Vikings. So probably Scapa has a root somewhere in either Viking or Gaelic. Is a is a flow? I mean, is it is it like is it a river? What, it's a big it... natural harbour. The oh, archipelago okay. of of Orkney is three main islands and lots of smaller islands, and in the middle is a really it's really deep in the middle. It's like miles de- uh, well, not the miles, but it's very very deep in some places, and it's it was famous in the past because in world war one and world war two it was the home anchorage of the british grand fleet which was the main fleet and um at the end of world war one the when the german fleet um was interned while they were working out the peace terms it was put in scapa flow to keep an eye on it and uh, while no one was watching the germans opened the seacocks which is like pulling the plug out of the bath in the bottom of your battleship and they all mm. sunk but it's so deep yeah they managed to do it um but uh most of them all but four battleships three cruisers and some destroyers were actually refloated in the 20 uh, in the 40s and 50s and it's quite amazing how it was done considering it was done by some guy and his company and no one had really thought about how to do it before uh and um cut up for scrap but three of them were so deep because the anchorage there is so deep that it just wasn't possible so um people could still go and dive on it but it's uh yeah there's a lot of our old royal navy buildings there and stuff like that and you know i'm into all that um maritime history so it's a great place to go and they have amazing whiskey mm. well i'm sure that regardless of your deadline and how that kind of fell in the middle of it i'm sure it did your head good to just be out and away from things and have some for a long time i was super stressed about not being able to work on stuff for a deadline but after a while i was just like i don't want to work on a model ever again <laughs> just, just really relaxed like fuck it <laughs> that was you the whiskey. Home sometime right yeah and the beer really good beer in scotland which i wasn't prepared for i'm not saying i expected it to be bad i just didn't know it was that good if you know what i mean yeah lots of yeah, small breweries and really good beer yeah you showed me a couple of pictures of things and i was like oh, i'd drink that i'd, yeah, I'd hit that are excellent Anyway, enough of that waffle. So uh, let's have a little ad break there while we hear from some sponsors. Uh, We'll be right back to uh, get on to our our bulging sack. Hi, I'm Scott, the creator and owner of the Scale Modeler Supply, Australia's largest manufacturer of hobby paints. Our premium airbrush-ready acrylic acca paints are designed specifically for use on plastics, with a comprehensive range covering all popular modelling subjects including military, aircraft, rail, auto, sci-fi and more. And not only that, but we also have a wide selection of essential hobby tools and now, Infinite Colour, our new range of water-based paints for miniatures. 
So to check out our range and to find your closest retailer, please visit our website at scalemodeler.com.au. So when quality matters, choose SMS Paints. All right, welcome back. Uh, thanks for listening to those messages from uh, our sponsors. They pay for the show. Uh, we really, along with our patrons, we really do appreciate all your support. Absolutely. Before we get on to the letters, uh, I believe we have an update, Will, about the Musaru Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should. Yeah. I mean, first of all, yeah, it's it's a stacked field this year. I mean, uh, I know. eight eight podcasts one cup <laughs> it's, it's uh and uh it's gonna be uh i i feel like in the previous years that everybody kind of was keeping it on the down low about who was doing it but it seems like it's more out in the open this time in fact if i remember correctly our boys over uh down under uh, see i almost did it i almost you did, did it yeah. almost. I, I, I caught myself uh, i uh our our mates at on the bench, I think announced the whole list. But we know that we've got some new players this year. Um, the built sideways guys, Brian Dinklow, is going to be playing for them, and he's a badass. Uh, he's you know, it's unfortunate for him that it has to be out of the box though, because I know he wants to like turn it into a jet powered P fifty one Mustang. Which, by the way, the kit is the Arma Hobbies one seventy second scale P fifty one. It's a sweet kit, right? It's beautiful. I just released a video on my channel kind of going through the sprues. And I have to say, those dudes are impressing me on multiple levels because not only does the thing look really, really beautiful on the sprues, and they've already got a reputation for making good kits, but when I opened my box, it was missing one of the sprues. And at first I was like, I was like, what the fuck? How am I? This is, can't be right. I thought it was just one sprue. And eventually, and, and it, the truth is, when I made that video, I was a little under the influence of adult substances. And so it took me a little while to finally glimmer to the fact that it was actually missing a sprue. So you get to see me kind of going through the instructions there going, um, you know, this is sprue B and this is sprue A. Anyway, I had a new sprue from Arma within a week and, and the process was totally painless. So Good on those guys. Um, I would love it if we could get them on the podcast. I mean, I think that would be cool. That would shit. be great. But yeah, yeah. But but aside from that, so um, we know that uh, our buddy Dave over at Mojo is going to be, you know, imbibing some modeling fluid and doing his bit. He already announced that, and and he's the default. Like that can't be a secret because Mike Basket did their entry last year. So um, there's him. And I won't announce anybody else. I think it's already been done, but it's, it's going to be a, a pretty tough field. Um, Ian. Well, um, uh, on- Dave alone is tough. I mean, 170 seconds oh, is yeah. back, right? It's his yeah. deal. Yeah, it's his yeah. deal. It's just too bad for him that he has to use the decals that are in the box because we know that he's a decal. He's a decal mm. whore. And so, uh, but but uh, Ian is doing it for On the Bench and he and I have, have uh, been uh, just yakking back and forth about it. And we're going to kind of treat it like a buddy build. We're going to be totally out yeah. in the open about it. I'll probably, you know, probably post work in process, do the normal thing that I normally do. Cause you know, I can't resist talking about shit. So, uh, but, but how did I end up be, it ended up being me? Cause it was going to be you uh, was a total bit of a mix up because we had to decide who it was going to be before they announced the kit and um, 
Chris was all about it. And me and Hancock were kind of like, eh, and not really sure. And we just took too long. And so Chris we had to was give a guy. name. Neither of you yeah. fucking volunteered, so I had to. Yeah, we were just <laughs> we were just me, him, and Han. And I was in the middle of trying to finish the stupid bug. Anyway, so it was going to be Chris, and that was fine because you would have done a fantastic job, no doubt about it. But I go to this podcast roundtable thing in Omaha, and the next thing I know, the guy from IPMS Hamilton is handing out boxes, and he gives me one, and I'm like, uh. I don't know why I'm getting this, but okay. So then I talked to him later. He was like, yeah, we had a little bit of a mix up. And so here it is. And I just told Chris straight up, I'm not shipping this fucking thing to you. We'll just buy one and pay for it out of podcast funds. And, but then, and then through all, right. So then through all that conversation, Chris was like, well, no, why don't you just do it? And I'm like, all right, I'll just do it. Cause I want to build this thing anyway. And yeah. And then the next day, like, one showed up at Chris's house. So <laughs> anyway, that's how it turned out that it's me. We're not trying to game the system. That's just what happened. And so for, for better or worse, it's going to be me, but I kind of wish that it wasn't because I'm serious. There's the, this is, you know, going to be a, a gnarly contest. There's, there's a, there's a bunch of award winners in there. So let's just send it to Tracy then. <laughs> why is this is it is a deadline in three years because <laughs> yeah you only get a year to do one of these i mean it's not yeah. very long right yeah that's not, not even that no 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 not even that yeah well that's yeah i get yeah but it'll be done by march so even i'm in danger of not finishing but i'm not showing up without my homework yeah just don't leave it to the last minute that's right That'll bite you in the ass. All right. So speaking of ass and saddles and burrs and things. <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> let's crack on to some letters. Yeah. All right. Crack- so uh, we put out a call. I, I said a thing on Facebook a while ago. Um, I do stupid stuff that I'm, I'm. You should know better. I've been doing modeling long enough to know that you shouldn't do stuff that stupid. However, I still fucking do it. Like the time when I decided it would be better to paint the horizontal stabilizers on uh, one thirty second um, Japanese aircraft. And I thought, I know what I'll do. The, the, it's it's uh, Hazagawa. The fit's so perfect that I could paint them and then put them on after. And then I won't have to mask <laughs> off to do underneath and everything, right? <laughs> Except... I painted the top side of one green and the bottom side aluminium and the top side of the other one aluminium and the bottom green because they were the same way around. <laughs> I didn't mirror them. So dumb shit like that. So I put out a call saying, uh, what stupid things do you do that you should know better? And unfortunately, we also got a lot of letters uh, saying uh, like accidents people have had. Now, it wasn't intentional to copy uh, Plastic Model Mojo, who've done a great segment on that. But some of them were so funny, I'm going to read them out anyway. So uh, just starting from the top here, the first letter let's have a, a look at is from Don Schmitz. Uh, Don writes in, enjoy the hell out of your show. Uh, just listen to the, most of your IPMS Nats episode and was interested to hear you all making the same observations about the oddities of IPMS judging that I've heard over the last 20 years. That's not to say you're wrong. Uh, just all the weirdness of splits and out of the box uh, has been clear for a long time. 
I mostly wanted to mention the obsession with the straightness of aircraft wheels is a bit of a fetish with the IPMS judging community. Mm, fetish. It seems to be limited to the aircraft judges <laughs> and for whatever reason seems to be more common amongst West Coast judges. But it's handed down uh, from each generation from one judge to the next. If you follow IPMS politics, the reason things are becomes clear. The financial risk of changing anything is huge. Not meeting room, night and meal service targets can wipe out the profit of a show uh, and it's expected to make. I think that's um, that's something that you have to accept and deal with when it's a show that travels between different clubs. Each club has to make sure that they don't run a loss. When it's a national organisation like uh, IPMS UK running it and it's always at the same location, mm-hmm. you can relatively easily project incomes and costs and everything else. Uh, I've got to say, uh, although that sounds like it's being quite harsh on it, I think that's actually really understandable that um, each IPMS club has to be sure of covering their costs, basically. Uh, so after a yeah. few years chasing trophies, most of the people at Nats are there more to see friends and drink a lot of beer than to win an award. That's uh, certainly the feedback I've heard from other people that went to the show. Mm-hmm. That's a great letter. Don and Don's a great guy. He's, he's the uh, admin or one of the admins of the IPMS Facebook group. And, and he's a good dude. Mm. I've gotten into a few little scrapes over there, as you can imagine. And I respect yeah, Don too. a lot because he's, he's always, I feel like he's always fair. Like he tries to keep the page clean, um, yeah. you know, and, 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 conflict at a minimum um and that's good as a moderator you have to do that but i feel like he's always fair and he and i've had a few backroom chats and i feel like he's also pretty objective and pretty realistic about it so that's a that's a good letter from him Uh, it makes me feel like we're kind of hitting the right notes on that i think although i might not always agree with his decisions you can always predict what he's going to do, which means that he's consistent and fair, you know, in mm-hmm. the way he does it. You might not always fall your way, but you know that it's it's not random like it is with some people when they're moderating. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing about moderating. But that that's that's an aside. Back to the sort of uh, IPMS thing, because um, there are a few more things to say about that. I he's you know he's he's a hundred percent right about how entrenched some of this stuff is, and um, I, you know we've. Uh, we've got people who are doing a great job of putting it out there. I mean, like, you know, John Bonani was just on our, uh, our friends, the uh, small subjects over there with Barry and, and Jim and did a great job of laying out, you know, kind of what the issues are and advocating for some changes to things like uh, the scoring system. You know, I think, I think John is, is, uh, I think been pretty courageous uh, to be such an open advocate for the open judging system. But after now my two experiences in judging, I think there are even other issues that have to come first. I don't think the IPMS is necessarily ready for a wholesale change like that. And it comes down to simple stuff like this feedback thing. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, getting feedback on your entries, which you will see at some of the regionals like Rob, booth and those guys at model fiesta they're starting to incorporate some of that and people are starting to think more around that but that honestly was my one major disappointment with the nationals zero none nada Um, i had to ask i had to go to jim clark and ask him hey do you know who the head judges were for my two categories can i get some feedback um 
I mean, I knew why the Hornet wasn't going to place. And I was, and as it turned out, that judge, the head judge and another judge, um, uh, did reconnect with Jim and gave me some feedback and I was in the top four or five. So I felt pretty good about that. Um, I knew one of my gas tanks was crooked. That's all it takes. Um, and then another judge popped into my thread in the IPMS group where I did what I promised. I took all the photos of all the stuff that I was involved in judging and gave as much feedback as I could remember. And I was really pretty stoked at the response to that because there were a lot, quite a few guys who were like, Hey, I didn't have any idea. I, you know, I really wondered what, you know, how my, how my work was seen by the judges. And I could tell that they appreciated that. Um, and for the most part, it was not very contentious, <laughs> but you know, we occasionally get some guys. There's always one. Yep, there's always one. And and this one, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this um, because this is not just about the uh, this this kind of fits into the feedback category because I know we're gonna do some let you know we're gonna with talking about letters and feedback we're gonna do some of that. This applies to feedback for us as well as to this particular subject. So I'm gonna I'm not gonna read the entire thing because it would just take way too long. Just gonna hit some high points. But this was commented by a dude on there. We're just gonna call him Joe. Uh, and he says this is exactly how he's against the feedback thing. Totally against it. Mm. This is exactly how it's been done for decades without adding to the judge's workload. Will Pattison, get off your ass and reach out to the judges, friends, people talking photos people taking photos of your models and ask them for their opinions and general observations. I'm happy you were all finished judging by 10:30. We were in the back room until 1:30 AM entering judging information. Pretty sure the photographs were there. Photographers is what he means to say. Were there much later than the data entry crew. These shows are man hour pits. Stop trying to add to the workload. Maybe think about others before opening your forever jabbering mouth FYI, three hours for a podcast is horseshit. My two cents. <laughs> so well, I'll take it he didn't enjoy the five-hour World Model Expo show. Then apparently not. I'm I'm thinking based on <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't think he I'm enjoys thinking, anything. Yeah, I mean, so this guy, I mean, he just went completely off the rails, and I had not even said anything to this dude before that, and I've had you know, exchanges with him before and he always seemed pretty reasonable. So this caught me totally off guard. And I admit I was fucking pissed because, and I don't feel the need to explain or justify myself or my life to anybody, but just so you know, uh, Joe, I spent over $2,000 to go to this thing. I rented a mobility scooter, which I normally never do. I haven't even owned a wheelchair since I got out of, of Craig hospital uh, over, you know, 13 years ago, I rented a mobility scooter for 50 bucks a day so I could get myself around my buddy that I had to convince to go with me. And I drove 15 hours each way. I was a judge. I took a thousand frames in photographing the models. I sorted through all those. I made multiple posts online, including all of the said posts uh, or pictures of the people that I judged, I took the time to provide feedback and the entire thing 
and I'm not asking for anybody's sympathy here, was a matter of managing physical pain for me to be in an unfamiliar setting. My hotel was nearly a half mile from where the convention was because I was an idiot, didn't make a reservation at the at the one that's attached to the convention center, driving back and forth in my little mobility scooter ac- across a four-lane fucking highway in 90-degree weather. So that's my answer to anybody who tells me that I needed to get off my ass. Pretty much, fuck you. I don't know how much more I can get off of my ass. I mean, what do you want? If there's something else I could have done, by all means, please tell me. But The bottom line is that you criticized his beloved IPMS and the way they run things. That's all that comes down to. You can look back through it. And this guy, if he's talking about feedback, like, Jesus, what would he do if somebody gave him feedback on a model since all you did was provide a little feedback on how giving feedback on an IPMS show would be something beneficial. He lost his fucking lid, man. He, he went on to, he went on to insult me. He went on to, he insulted you. He's just a fucking dickhead. Well, let's be clear about how he insulted you because this is bullshit. And I, and I, and, and, and people like this need to be famous. He went on to make a lot of disparaging remarks about the podcast. Cause Chris jumped in there, which I appreciated. I Thanks should for say, my- Thanks for having my he back. He brought up the podcast and everything else. Without... It was like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? They came out of nowhere. They were not mentioned in the thread in any way or anything before that. He brought it up just to try and needle people. And his specific comment that Tracy's referring to was, everybody's pets die, dude. Get over it. And that, I mean, you've crossed a fucking line at that point. I mean, just being a fucking dickhead. Well, it, but, but, you know, there's just being a fucking dickhead and then there's just being a truly shitty person. I mean, we've all had examples of just being a dickhead. We get mad, we have bad days, whatever. But there's a point where you just become a truly bad person. And when you're going to use the, the something like that to try to score points on somebody, I'm sorry, but, but that's just shitty. And, you know, Tracy, you were, you made yourself vulnerable and you were open and honest in expressing your your feels about what happened. And that took a lot of courage. And it's assholes like this who say dumb shit like that that make people feel like they can't open up about stuff. And that's fucked up. Yeah. And I, I'd like to actually take a second to, to thank everybody who's reached out and expressed some sympathy on that uh, subject. It's been really nice. People have obviously written into us. I've gotten private messages. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Nobody, no one or thing lives forever. Uh, that's not really what it's about. It's about just, you know, the loss of something that you're so incredibly attached to that's a part of your life. It's it's heartbreaking, you know, and it happens to all yeah. of us. You know, we all have parents. Those parent, parents are all going to die or if they haven't already. Like, we're all going to experience loss. And if you can't say something about it because people are being dickheads, well, that's just fucked up, man. Mm-hmm. Like you should be able to say like, man, I'm pretty fucking sad. My fucking, you know, my dad died. Like that's a shitty club to be in. I'm in that club. Like you should be able to say something. So then other people are like, Hey man, I've been through that too. Like yep. I, I can, I can hear you out. I can tell you, you know, I can empathize with you because this happened to me. And I can tell you how much it sucks and how bad I feel for you. Like, that's just humanity. It's just being a fucking, you know, an empathetic human being instead of a piece of trash blowing down the side of the road. 
So, yep. Joe, you're a piece of trash blown down the side of the road. Yep, exactly. I thought you were very eloquent about how it affected you and about the ways in which, you know, you'd noticed it, the way life had changed. And I think anyone with any kind of heart must have been touched by it. Yeah, absolutely. Here's just kind of the closing point for me on this. This is just an example of how nutty people get about this stuff. I mean, let's just step back for a minute and take a little perspective on this. We are talking about a judged show for a bunch of people who build plastic toys. It's a fucking hobby. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be a pastime. Toy tanks and stuff. Come on. And if and if disagreement over any part of that, whether it's the way the contests are judged, whether it's whether or not you should gloss before decals, whether it's what color your widget should be, if any part of that makes you so angry that you think it's okay to go after somebody for something like that, you need to check your shit. You need to really reevaluate your life choices and your worldview. That, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop. <laughs> okay, so I want to bring up something that I was thinking about when it comes to feedback at IPMS shows. It was something that I can't recall where it was discussed. Could have been uh, Scale Modelers Critique Group. Could have been the IPMS USA page. But um, something was brought up, and I kept thinking about it. And I was like, this is probably not super difficult to uh to to do on the back end and i think it would work pretty well on the front end um having a qr code for your entry form you scan that and have different categories for uh what the judges saw like the reasons they might have been um your model might have been dinged so you could have alignment click you hit alignment and then there's a sub menu wheels and struts wings and tail planes things like that. And then, you know, likewise, you could have uh, a category for, for decals, you know, some silvering present, uh, some misalignment of the decals on either side of the fuselage. You could have these little sub menus where you just scan it, click, here's the reason. This is also a reason. This is the specific part of that reason. And then if you wanted to, you could leave, like you could type a little feedback, but if you didn't, that's, I mean, that's literally just like 30 seconds of like scan the QR code, make sure it's the right entry. Okay, this is why we dinged you. This is why we dinged you. You know, paint finish was rough. You know, that would be, an, you know, your finish was the was the paint too rough. Was there glue issues, things like that? You could have those things as menu options with sub menus that give a little bit more detail and then just move on to the next thing. And I think it's, again, you meet a little resistance whenever you start bringing things up that are, that involve more work because instantly people tell you how much work they already did at the last show. But I mean, you got to, you got a year to make this better, right? So if that's, if this is the thing you decide like, okay, let's, let's focus on this and try to make this better uh, to improve the next show, then, you know, get the wheels turning and do that. I mean, that's what happened uh, with the, the show, uh in was it vegas where the photos weren't great 
and the slideshow afterwards wasn't great. And the guy who took those photos this year, you know, he adopted the suggestions that were given and the slideshow was great and the photos were much better. I'm glad you brought that up because, because that that's, you know, look, I I'm the one that raised a, you know, kicked up a, a dust storm last year about the quality of the photos and the clunkiness of the slideshow. And those dudes were pissed. I mean, yeah. straight up, they were, yeah. they were mad at me really and there were some pissed. other people who were, who were mad at me. And I understand that, but I wasn't, it wasn't personal. I was just purely talking about the product and the fact that I felt like, look, this is your national show. This is your, your highest echelon. It, it should be represented as such. And in spite of the fact that they were mad at me, they did go out this year. They improved the photography. And one of the suggestions that came up, I think it was actually from our buddy Dukes, was to just use Smug Mug to create your slideshow. It's yeah. super easy. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to write, you know, rewrite code. And they did that. Yeah. And the slideshow is there on Smug Mug. It's super easy to look at. You can enlarge the photos. It's great. And I just want to say, I, I, I've said it to those guys on Facebook. I'm going to say it again here. Um, you know, Vladimir Yakubov is the guy who's who's responsible for that stuff. You know, look, I know I made you mad, but you still went out and did the thing and made it better and good on you. I respect that. I, I absolutely do. So I'm glad you brought that up, Tracy, because that to me is the kind of attitude that it's going to cha- take to see some of this stuff change. And you're absolutely right about the technology. It's totally there. But what scares me a little bit for these guys is that the that there's some sort of other issues in the way that are philosophical that are like, just like when I hear, well, so here's one is one that I'm getting a lot is, look, if you start requiring the judges to do feedback, half of them are going to quit. <laughs> it's like, okay, how do you know that? There's no data to support that. That's a supposition. But how do you argue against that, right? And then there's another one that I'm hearing that is, well, contests aren't the place to learn. <laughs> I'm like, what? Well, I mean, and it's yeah, like, how do you, yeah, they you know, are. You, yeah, they are. <laughs> but how do you, you know? How do you combat that? And that's the thing is you got to get past some of those philosophical issues before you can even get to a technological solution. So I don't know, man. But I really think that these conversations are good, and you know, at the risk of wearing everybody out about it, hey, it's what needs to happen. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't want to get too much. Uh, <laughs> no, let's get back to the letters. <laughs> IPMS Nationals. So let's do letters. All right. Well, okay. This one was about the Nationals. Uh, I just want to read it really quickly. Let's not get into a big argument about it. It's just it's an alternative <laughs> point of view to us. And I just want to give uh, the 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 listener their opportunity to put their point across, you know, as a counter to us. All right. So this is from Chris McLean. Um, Dear SEU hosts, I found myself frustrated with the commentary in episode 29 on the basic kick build at Nats. Uh, let me also state I completely agree it's stupid and the rule was poorly worded. Uh, for that matter, I've also come to the conclusion that out of the box is superfluous in the IPMS judging philosophy, but that's beside the point. Specifically on the podcast, BKB was, uh, which, sorry, we should say it's basic kit build, which is the, uh, for those that haven't been following all the podcasts going on about this, is the thing they brought in to replace out of the box where uh, you yeah. can only use um, basic materials in the box. So if there's any PE in it, you can't use it. 
Um, let's not get into the fact that decals are a different medium and shit like that again. Or that the rule is self-contradictory. <laughs> yeah. BKB was criticized because it would not allow uh, for a kit that allowed, uh, sorry, that, that required a piece of PE or metal barrel supplied in the kit to be entered without leaving those bits off the model. Uh, as noticed, as noted, this uh, is foolish because it's often the case that no styrene option is included. But that's precisely the point of BKB. Multimedia kits are intentionally barred from entry in BKB, full stop. That's the point. The NCC made that rule because they believe those kits belong in standard categories. In contrast, BKB is intended to create a space for all styrene, resin, etc. kits uh, in a time when including extras has become common in standard styrene kits. The notion is that legacy styrene kits can't compete alongside new multimedia kits so they created bkb to give them space to compete with similar kits uh on level ground so there you go that's the point of view uh there is more on it there's more debate on sort of the different points and everything else but basically that that's the point of view um and i can think I just, rather than get I, into it yeah can i just can i just, can I just say two this things this will be quick this will be quick first uh... chris, chris <laughs> is a I've actually met Chris McLean in person. I met him in Texas. He he could not be a nicer guy. He's a smart dude. He's yeah, a super he nice guy. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 as you can see, he presents his point of view coherently. I mean, look, I love anybody who can use the word superfluous in a sentence. So, you know, I, that's I, that's a good letter. And 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 good on Chris for taking the time to present that point of view. The only thing I'll say is that the end of the rule, the last sentence, basically says unless it's required for the structure of the model. So that's what I meant when I said the rule is self-contradictory. It's just not clearly written. And those guys have a right to be upset about that. So anyway. He agrees with it, though. He agrees yeah, with that. He does. Maybe, yeah, the, he does. The, yeah. maybe there's some tweaking in it. Uh, maybe there's room going forward for BKB and out of the bot. Who knows? But basically, that is the point of view from IPMS. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to give uh, Chris, because he was on the NCC um, meeting when the... Uh, Mm -hmm. chief aircraft judge put a bkb forward i think and i just wanted you know to to put across their point of view that's what and, and he's in there i mean he puts his money where his mouth is he spends the time to yeah. be involved so absolutely man also i'd like to say we, we had a, a load of uh letters on the same subject for and against bkb and everything else uh and i just want to say thanks to everyone that wrote in on that including uh my good friend joe youngerman Awesome dude. He was the lead judge mm -hmm. in my little group, and I was just super impressed by by that guy. I mean, you could tell. He was AJ squared away, high speed, low drag, knew his shit, but he was just super cool. Like, I mean, he, he was, you know, even though I was the OJT judge, he was open to conversation. And um, so anyway, that was a pleasure. So thanks for everyone that wrote in. We had a lot of... Um comments agreeing with us unsurprisingly considering that it was a self-selecting group i.e our listeners uh about judging and what have you and a few that didn't so thanks to everyone that wrote in and, and gave your opinion uh so right let's get on to the bad habits uh first one we got is from michael rubino i have a weird habit of destroying the model the day i finish it the last few models i've either dropped or knocked off the table the day it was done I thought it was happening because that's a day you might handle it more than usual. Maybe you're checking it, taking photos, everything else. Uh, but then I realized the problem is none of those. The next model I was determined to protect. It's such a rare resin sci-fi kit that I spent a lot of time on. 
install electronics and custom 3D parts. God, will they go 3D parts for you? I had finished it the day before the Nationals in Las Vegas last year and was going to bring it. I gently moved it to the buffet table that had nothing else on it and thought it would be protected from me or any other objects. Well, my mother-in-law visited. Her vision's not very good, and she plopped her heavy coat right on top of it, breaking it into a million pieces. Oh, my so God. the real reason it's happening is I am cursed. <laughs> <laughs> well... Ouch. Oh, I feel your that's pain, a, that's Michael. A pain, yeah. Painful story. Yeah. 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 I hope you're not cursed. I hope it's just uh, a series of bad luck that's run its course, and and things will change for you. Well, I'm clumsy uh, as I, fuck. So many's the time I've broken a model just after it's been finished, like dropping a light on it, <laughs> photographing it, and stuff like that. Uh, and I, I hope that it's. I hope you're not cursed. And you know me, always looking for the deeper explanation i hope that this is not some form of self-destruction because you're you know maybe don't want to run it out there maybe you're i don't know i mean think about it welcome to the psychology now podcast (laughs) (laughs) we're listening (laughs) all right let's have a look at the next one from Mark uh, Casilia. Thanks for writing in, Mark. Mark Casilia, Casiglia. You'll have to let me get me straight on that. He writes in: if there's a paint, if there's paint left in the airbrush cup, but I'm finished painting, I find a way to use it up to avoid wastage. I do that, which is why quite often things end up with too much paint on, or you get things primed in olive drab because I had some left <laughs> in the cup. <laughs> Despite the fact the additional paint on the model is probably not going to be good for whatever painting I'm doing, it's like there's an arm wrestle going on between my need not to waste and my better judgment or whatever I'm actually <laughs> painting needs. It's akin to finishing whatever's on your plate, even after you're full. Uh, you succeeded in not wasting your food, but you probably hurt your health a little bit, especially uh, if that's a habit. I have to say, I was raised, like, if you left anything on your plate, you were told there were starving kids in Africa that would eat that. And I used to say, well, send it to them then. But <laughs> <laughs> even now, I find I, I get the urge to, to empty a plate because as anyone that's met me probably knows because, you know, I was told not to leave food. And yeah, I'm the same with paint. I can't, I just got to use it. I can't tip it away. I'm like, resist i can't do it what about you two do you any such i mean i'm the same with food but the opposite with paint uh, I, I, will def- paint I will definitely <laughs> throw away food <laughs> <laughs> i will eat paint and throw away food yes um <laughs> no I, i'll clean my plate even though i'm full i'll keep i'll eat what's on there uh yeah. but now as far as paint goes it took me a while to to get to the point where <laughs> where i just realized well i mean it's just paint like if you don't yeah. use it, it's going to dry up, and you're going to you're going to buy more one way or the other. So, yeah, um, yeah. I just I just tip it out and clean the airbrush and move on. I I understand the urge for sure, and and if I have primer in my airbrush, I definitely start looking around for things that need to be primed, and sometimes even if it's silly, like they're still on the sprue, but you know whatever. But I, I'm like Tracy, I don't mind throwing paint away, but I've sort of solved that in two ways. One is I generally just put very little paint in my airbrush to start with because you can always add more. The other thing yeah. is um, it's like my bottle of trash gray. If I'm shooting gray and I have it left over, I don't give a fuck what it is. It goes in the trash gray bottle. And so I constantly have this bottle and it's honestly one of my most prized bottles of paint I have no idea what's in there. And I love that. 
Is it like a sourdough starter? Yeah, I know. Like, I know. Nobody you started it ten years yeah. ago, and <laughs> yep. exactly. It's never. It's zombie gray. It never dies. Yeah. It's refreshed with the blood of new gray. Yeah, it works great when you need a little corrosion control paint for your stupid bug. Well, Catherine's a great. Mm-hmm. Oh, shut up! No, stop <laughs> it! All right, that's the end of this podcast. No more podcasts. That's it. I've had enough. All right. So, what else we got? Uh, okay, Pat McGrath uh, writes in. Good old Pat. Pat's a bit of a legend. I don't know if you guys uh, did. You meet him in um, in uh, Omaha? Uh, not that I know of. I met a lot of people, and I feel terrible. Big Irish guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was on Father Ted. T-shirt. I think. Yeah, he was. He was uh, Hud Hastings on Father Ted. Yeah. 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 The guy with the crown. I'll have to send you a clip. It's hilarious. Anyway, that's his claim to fame. Uh, So Pat writes in, I've made most of the common uh, mistakes, spilling bottles of extra thin. I've dropped pieces into the extra thin. I've glued parts out of sequence and had to go backwards and prise pieces apart. But my biggest mistake was putting a wash on a 135th Sherman and taking it outside into the garden to dry. In the meantime, I started a game of seeing who could bounce a basketball the highest with my daughter <laughs> and watching in horror as the basketball came down on top of and completely demolished the Sherman. No coming back from that. <laughs> you can just picture it, can't you? The slow motion. No! Crunch. <laughs> I should say Pat yeah. wrote a brilliant one-man play called... Um, oh, what was it called? Uh, Plastic Wars? Yes, uh, yeah, something like that. So I'm going to put a, a link to that. There's still recordings of it around. You don't need to watch it. You can listen to it as an audio thing. And it is really good because uh, um, it's kind of the tale of a guy who loses his job in the uh, Irish, big Irish recession that followed the, the worldwide crash in 2008. Uh, and he's a modeler and it's kind of how he deals with his changing life and his modeling. And there's a lot of funny stuff in there for modelers that you know people are going to love, including... Um, the guy they call, I think they call Herman the German who goes to the club and they call him that because he only builds German stuff. And it's really, <laughs> uh, yeah, very funny. So um, worth a listen. All right. So Clay Williams writes in, another good friend of the show and SMCGR. Uh, I use Millipart more than I like to admit because I fuck up more than I like to admit. A helpful YouTube tutorial said to use isopropyl alcohol and a brush to clean up the Millipart after application. Of course, I didn't have any isopropyl alcohol when the need arose, but I did happen to have a moderately priced, priced Tito's vodka within reach. It worked <laughs> quite well. Go figure. I'm continuing using it because I keep forgetting to buy isopropyl alcohol, but never regret to fucking hell, never forget to refresh a dwindling supply of Tito's. There you go. <laughs> There's one for uh, for the the model mojo guys. I think that's a uh, good use for your modeling. That's yeah, literal guys, modeling fluid, right? Those guys are. Those guys are angry right now they can't believe he's wasting the good stuff eh, it's not that good <laughs> uh it, it, the milliput things like brought up something yeah i'm i don't do that thing with paint but i do it with milliput anytime i have milliput left over i'm like ooh, what needs a tarp where can i build a tarp, Where can I put a tarp? <laughs> yeah me too i always turn it into a tarp <laughs> I try or a flag to, or something <laughs> yeah i try to find some sort of use for it even just like little scraps of it, it's ridiculous. It's pointless. But yeah, that, that's one of my modeling foibles, I guess. It quite often ends up inside an aircraft fuselage for me, even if it doesn't need it, just because it's weight, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Use it. Don't waste it. 
I, I sometimes make them into balls with the intention of carving heads with them, and I never do it. Yeah, I've done that. I, and I would say you guys are weird as fuck, but then I'm also the guy who likes to save the entire ball of masking tape as I'm peeling it off huh? till the end of till the end of the prize. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. What you reuse yeah, it? When I start, if I've got a no, no. Well, I do occasionally reuse tape, but no, it's like you know you've got this complex masking thing. And you start peeling pieces of tape off, and, st- and I just stick them on the bench next to me. To, oh, yeah, I do yeah, that. Yeah, or on and, the, and then I just, the and, spray then booth. I, yeah. and the ball starts to build up into this ball of, because I use, I use the uh, empty washi tape, and it's, you know, pink and green. And yeah, I just like to see how big the ball of masking is. I mean, I guess if, <laughs> if, you, if you drop something on the floor, you could always take the ball and roll it across the floor and maybe maybe grab the part. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's a sense of accomplishment. What can I say? It's, yeah, it's like a visual representation that, that things are mm-hmm. moving along and finished, I guess. Yeah, it's Talking like, of visual like representations, what a segue. The next letter is from a guy called Chuan Chu, who I think is from Singapore. I'm not sure. Just uh, let me know, Chuan. And um, he writes in, uh, it's a visual one, so I'll put the photo in the um, photo album on the show. You'll enjoy this one. Uh, Couldn't find my reading glasses uh, for six months. This is where I eventually discovered them. And the photo is an opened box of a kinetic F-104 with a pair of glasses inside it underneath all the sprue. (laughs) I've done that. I thought, where the fuck was that tool? And I buy another one. And then six months later, I go and open the kit. And it's like, oh, that's where that went. Because I opened the box, put something in it, and thought, forgot, and put the lid on. And yeah, I've done that, but never with a pair of glasses. I'll be honest. I've definitely pulled a kit out of the stash and, and thought, why is this kit so heavy? And open it up, and there's like a magazine or something, a, a reference in the box with it. <laughs> it's like, oh, I've been looking for that magazine for a year. Okay. It was a great post that you put up, actually. And my response was that no matter how many times we mention it and we all know that we should do it i never fucking use a paint mule yeah i mean i kind of sometimes do but usually i forget in fact quite often that's where the paint ends up when it's in the i know this is really like fucking dumb but um if there's paint left in the cup it'll quite often end up on the paint mule now that's dumb because i've already put it on the model Surely putting it on the mule first would have been the way to use a mule. Yeah. And I, don't, I don't need to paint the mule. Why the fuck am I painting the mule? But yet there's a model there and I've got paint in the cup. Fuck it. On it goes. Fuck it. Like it's somehow going to like improve the mule. I don't know. Well, in that same vein, I, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with using a paint mule. I do that all the time. But what I don't ever seem to remember to do is a decal mule. I mean, we all know every sheet of decals is different and they all have extras and doing a quick decal test on the, on your mule would really be smart. And I never remember to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. There's a reason they call it a mule is because we're all fucking asses for not using it. (laughs) Will likes mules so much. He got a mule for his pony. (laughs) so um all right so one more letter before we finish up with the letters uh and that is from martin drayton 
Martin writes, congratulations on another epic few episodes. I presume he's using that in the old-fashioned sense, by which he means really fucking long. Uh, and dripping, <laughs> uh, I've been listening to all the normal late ones and dipping in and out of the marathon episode from World Expo. Before I attended the US Nationals in Omaha, my very first big competition, I would listen to sporadically to the five-hour episode. It was great and informative. However, once I've been to Omaha and experienced the best four days I've ever had in modelling, Listening to Dutch edition took on a whole different feel. I got it. I now understand the camaraderie, the banter, the sheer joy of hanging out with so many amazing like-minded people. Our mutual love of modelling, transcending any difference we may have had. Listening to your chats with your friends uh, on the show brought me joy. I felt as though I was there uh, and invited into the inner sanctum. Kind of... All the interviews we do and stuff, I mean, that's what we're doing. We're just having chats with guys that, you know, we really like and, and what have you. And I hope that's how it comes across, that it feels like you're there and in on that chat. Yeah, and there's no, uh, I mean, there's, he should, yeah. I'm sure he realized there's no inner sanctum. Like, everybody is approachable and, and yeah. is super friendly, you know? Like, maybe we just uh, got to yeah, we're not people like that... welcoming people into some exclusive club. You know, this is, this is for anyone. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, look, who would want to be a member of any club that included us? <laughs> <laughs> Not even Groucho oh. Marx. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I understand how much longing all modelers who attend shows must have felt during COVID. I have to say now I've been to a couple of shows as well. I just want to go to all the shows. Do you know what I mean? It's just now I want to go to every decent show that's coming up and you can't do them all. It's, um, it, and it's a bit of a shame, really, because I feel like, oh, I want to go to that one, but there you go. So he goes on to write, now there's just one slightly negative thing that I feel I have to mention. A phrase that is very unfortunately very common in the US has reared its ugly head a couple of times on your podcast. Uh, back of the bus. To most people, it doesn't mean anything and just trips off the tongue without any thought or awareness of its actual meaning. It refers to a time when black people in America literally had to sit at the back of the bus of public transport and had to avoid drinking fountains and bathrooms that said whites only. So using the phrase, especially in front of people of colour, is a painful reminder. I absolutely know that it was used on the show without any malice whatsoever, but particularly as a black man living in the US and dealing with racism on a daily basis, I felt it my duty to educate you to its darker meaning. Well, I do. I want to respond to that because that was me, <laughs> as usual, yeah. saying some dumb shit. Um, and when I read Martin's letter, I, my first thought was, oh, wow, holy shit. I didn't even think about that. Cause I didn't, I mean, it was just an off the, it was just a turn of phrase. My second thought was, well, okay, but you know, black folks aren't the only ones that have ever had to sit in the back of the bus. And that was immediately, immediately followed by the thought that, yeah, but none of the other people who had to sit in the back of the bus are in a, a group of people who have that as part of their cultural identity. And I, yeah, I was just like, you know, thank you, Martin, for like pointing that out and making me think a little harder about, you know, the things that I say. And I, and I, and I messaged him privately and I told him all that. And I, I just, you know, I think that it's important to, for everybody to just consider how the stuff you say might roll off, you know, and sound to other folks. And we're not always going to get it right. I certainly don't. But if you're lucky, you'll have people who are kind enough to tell you in a way that you can understand and that makes sense and help you think a little harder. So I, you know, 
that's... I have to say, it might have been you that said it, but neither of us thought to pull you up on it because it didn't occur to me, I'll be honest. Yeah. It should have done, but to me, when I think back of the bus, I, you know, I think about when I was at school and all the cool kids went to the back of the bus. You know, Well, you know where yeah, I but... remember it from is, is I, you guys are yeah. going to laugh. I'm a sci-fi nerd. Um, you guys remember hmm. the movie um, uh, Pitch Black, Vin, Vin Diesel? Yeah, yeah. It was... And or maybe it was in the sequel to that one. Anyway, there was a line in there where he's talking about, you know, got to be all back of the bus. And I I don't know why that stuck in my head. But, you know, there you go. There's no, it goes to show if it's not part of your own, you know, your own thing. And if it's not a, a phrase you're aware of and the origins of it is, you know, I'm really glad that Martin made me aware of it and brought it, you know, made me think about it in that way. Well, that's yeah. what I meant about being a part of a group yeah. who's who you know who has that as part of their cultural. Yeah, you, you expressed it better than me. I'll be honest. Yeah. I mean, like we do, we do, you know, as average white dudes, we have no idea what that's like, right? Yeah, we just don't. None at all. Yeah. So. And there, there, are, there are words and phrases that are sort of ingrained in our conversation and our terminology that that are offensive. Uh, to African Americans, people of color, and we don't even think about it until somebody is like, "Hey, do you know what that actually means?" And then someone explains right. it to you, and you're like, "Well, fuck me, that's that's really awful. Like, I'm really sorry that I've been throwing that out so cavalierly, you know." So, it, not only is it great that you have somebody who's willing to say, "Hey, guys, you seem like really good guys. You, you probably don't know, but this is really not cool." But the other hand of that is to be the person who's like, Oh my God, I really, I did not realize that. I, I feel terrible for having thrown that around like that. Thanks for letting me know. I'm going to do my best to change that brain to eliminate that phrase, you know, like, <clears throat> you know, the, the, you have to be receptive to being able to change even ingrained phrases and things like that, that you may have kind of carried around your whole life when somebody brings it up and is like hey man that's not cool absolutely um, and, and and what i respect so much about the way martin approached it is that he was so statesmanlike about it i mean because you you know we all know that there are those people out there who are going to get super militant and they're just going to jump straight to the extreme and they're going to be like oh you're a fucking racist man that's not cool that's not helping anybody and and martin you know didn't even come close to that he's just like look man here's the deal and, and if you can't respect that, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, but there's the other, um, you know, again, the flip side of that is, you know, there are people out there that when confronted with what these terms really mean, they're like, well, you're just being too fucking, you're taking it too seriously. Exactly. Man. Like, yeah, you're just, you're being, I guarantee right. there'll be someone listening to this going, fucking hell, they're going all woke again. And, yep. well, fuck these guys. Yep. Again, it, to circle the wagons back around, which is probably not a very kosher phrase. Uh, yeah. <laughs> God damn Kosher. it. The double whammy <laughs> <Shit>. now. <laughs> damn you. Just to bring it back around, you know, I mean, we, we started kind of the show off with, with somebody who was being a real asshole. And, and now we're finishing off with like, hey, even in, unintentionally, we can be assholes. It's just all about how you how you handle it whenever you're confronted with it, you know? And if, you know. The other guy was intending to be an yeah, asshole. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. No, that's a yeah, but the, uh, the people who are different deal. Anybody out there who's like, oh, these guys are so woke, like, no, just again, it's empathy, bro. 
just being yeah. empathetic to another person and being able to change a minor, such a minor and uh, unimportant phrase in your vernacular. Just like, okay, just get rid of it. What does it cost us to make that change? Nothing. Exactly. Nothing. Nothing. It, costs, it costs nothing. And these guys will tell you, I'm, I have issues with stuff like the term woke. I, I despise identity politics. But this isn't about that to me. This is about a more fundamental thing of just being aware, just being respectful. Just don't be a douche canoe. Well, <laughs> I mean, the one thing we always go on about in this podcast is that we we want to learn and it's all about, you know, mm-hmm. growing it. We're talking that's about right. modeling, but yep. it's not just a modeling thing. If you're going to do that, that's something you do throughout your life. And you Absolutely. Know, Absolutely. It's I absolutely just... want to learn if I'm saying things that don't have a great connotation you know tell me yeah I mean, tell I, I, about it. we're all out there to improve our modeling but i think you've got to be open to improving yourself as well like just be a better person it's like, all the same thing isn't it when you start kicking up a fuss about like oh you're woke and like oh no, no, no like okay how would your mother feel if she heard you like just making that fucking dumb defense like do do yourself well, proud you know Let's be fair. Some of these people got that way because of their mothers and fathers. So that might not be a valid argument, but, you know. It's the last thing I'll say on the subject. But what burns me about it is these are the same people that say people don't have any respect anymore. All we're talking about is having respect for other people. Yeah, just be aware. That's it. Just be aware, right? Just be aware. Now, I was just going to say that this is one of the great things about a hobby like model making. I found it in motocross, photography, all these different things, is that you get people from all walks of life. And if and, and, and the hobby is a vehicle to learn more about them and how they think. And that's, and that's a beautiful thing. And this is a great example of that. Yeah. Let's just get Martin on. He could tell us all about this. He could tell us well, all about his it. amazing dioramas and his own journey in modeling. Let's, let's get him on. I'm all about it because I got to meet him in Omaha and he's just an awesome dude. Like I just instantly he's wanted really to hang awesome out with him, spend more time with him. He's fucking handsome and ridiculously. I, I don't know what his deal is. Cause he's 62. What? And it, I know. And yeah, he look, he's it, looks no. younger than me. The right. bastard. It's just not even right. He looks uh, younger no, than all of us. Yeah, exactly. I'm certain that he's like the product of a government experiment or something. <laughs> well, he's British, you know, <laughs> Well, there's that. He's, he's, I mean, he's, so he's so so he's not only ex- ridiculously handsome, but he's got the accent too. It's like I don't, I can't be in the same room with this guy. But he's a great dude. He's got a painting somewhere that's really like old and ugly. Oh <laughs> Dorian yeah, Gray. Dorian Gray. Yeah, again with the gray, <laughs> the the bottle of Dorian Gray. Um, I, I just wanted to say... There you go. That's your grey. You have to call it Dorian grey. Yeah, Dorian grey. There's actually... A, I know this because we're painting rooms in the house and things like that. There is a color called Dorian grey. Uh, it never gets old. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm dumb. I have no idea who Dorian grey is. Uh, oh, you picture of Dorian grey, the... Philistine. It, I... I it's, don't. I'm it's um, sheltered. by Oscar Wilde. Yeah, it's it's a sh- short story by Oscar Wilde about a guy who he's basically made a deal with the devil, and his uh, he as years go by, he gets younger looking, but the painting of him on the wall gets older. Okay, all right. Basically, 
But also because he's younger and the power that gives him and everything else, his soul becomes more and more ugly. And so it's like a metaphor. Oh, the painting is his, okay. is his soul, basically. What he looks like on the inside. What he remains beautiful. All right. Well, that's definitely not Martin because he's got a beautiful soul. I can tell. Well, we were talking about yeah, your bottle totally. of paint. So. Yeah. yeah, that's ugly. Beautiful, on the inside. It has a beautiful soul, too. Don't hate on my bottle of trash, Greg. It's got a, It's been around long enough to get a soul. <laughs> developed intelligence anyway this is enough fucking waffle the one thing i wanted to say real quickly is if we didn't read your letter out loud just know that we read them and we talk about them in our own chat on a day-to-day basis you you know don't don't think that because we didn't read it uh on the air that we didn't read it whenever you send it to us we read all the letters we appreciate all the letters Um, yeah i just want to mention very quickly we got one from peter ferrugia who he was going on about sam dwyer which was great because i'm I mean, seriously, Sam is an awesome dude. If you don't like Sam, what's wrong with you? He's great. And then there was this other one. He is a great uh, model, that I, Yeah. And then there was this other one from a guy in Canada. His name is Ryan Campbell. And he's, look, he's my soulmate because he's all about the tractors. He's like, I, oh, yeah. I, live, on a, I live on a farm. I had Mute to stop will. the tractor. And, you know, when you drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Just thank you for that. That obviously made me feel good as a fellow tractor snob, as he puts it. Yeah, that was a, that was a good letter. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Will, do you have a bar under your saddle this week? I, I have a small one. I mean, it's not really a burr. I mean, because look, it's you know, it's a thing. There's a lot of tropes that run around model making. You know, the gloss before decals thing. Um, you know. Uh, and another one is washing your sprues <laughs> and you know I just it's one of those things where where it comes up and there's always these guys who say you must do this and I'm just like mm, but why and I, I was listening to some stuff recently and you know I just felt the need to say look it don't have to do it, it, it and, and a couple of reasons mold release not a thing not really hardly ever uh, for a couple of reasons. One is that modern polystyrene and other plastics have mold releases formed into, formulated into the polymer mix. So it's in there and it's activated at a high enough temperature that it does its thing when the parts are coming out of the tool and you don't have to use a spray can full of some kind of silicon bullshit. And that's the second reason why, because it's, it's, it's an operation that a mold maker has to do that they don't want to do because it's already a low margin business and they don't want to any part of that. The other thing is that it's a contamination. Yeah, their money's about right. molds as fast it, as possible. Isn't exactly. It? They don't want to have to send some guy over there to spray something on the tool every time a part comes out. The other thing is it's a contaminant and there's a lot of mold making facilities that it's prohibited. Maybe it's their largest customer, like it's a medical device company, for example, who says you can't have that stuff in your plant, period, not allowed. And that's why a lot of these plastics got formulated with it on board was because of the need to eliminate that. So look, if you see, if there is actually mold release on your parts, you're probably going to know it because for one thing, even if you can't see it, you're probably going to be able to smell it probably going to be able to feel it 
It's going to feel kind of sticky and gross. And it's probably going to come from a short run manufacturer or a small outfit. Like occasionally people will get a sprue from Edward that has it. Well, those guys have all their molding stuff in house. And so, yeah, it can happen. But again, you're probably going to know about it and going to extremes to wash your sprues with alcohol or soapy water, whatever you just, you know, it's kind of, honestly, it's just not necessary. But on the other hand, if it's a ritual that you enjoy, if it's like part of the little of the little dance that you do before you start a project, then go for it. Do it. It's all about feeling good. Yeah, it's not going to hurt anything. Right. Other than the risk of washing parts down the drain, you know, it's Uh, fine. You use a little uh, like a coffee filter basket with the. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There, yeah, there you go. But I, I'm just saying, don't feel like it's necessary and don't run around telling people that they have to do it or that they should do it because it's just not true. That's my burr. Yeah, not really, you know, a thing. All right, we're really short on time, so I'm going to save my burr for next time. Uh, and let's go straight to our interview. Our interview this week is with Anton Derbelov, who uh, is a sculptor from Ukraine who sculpts uh busts and miniatures he actually trained as a uh artist sculptor full you know full-size sculptor uh and has sort of turned his eye his hand to um to miniatures but as of february like so many people his life has changed a little bit and he's now on the front line and he took some rare time uh away at home uh a while ago now to record this interview for us he doesn't speak any english whatsoever so uh well pretty much none so his uh, daughter, uh, Sophie, Sonia, also known as Sonia, uh, helped us. Uh, and it was actually her birthday the day they recorded this. So they gave up, you know, a lot of their time to be able to do this for us. But unfortunately, the equipment wasn't very good and the sound quality is pretty poor. So it's best to wear headphones when you're listening to this one uh, to have a better chance of understanding it. It is only a short interview and we're sorry the quality is not better. I worked with it as much as I could. But I think it's a really important interview that you should listen to nonetheless. Hey guys, it's Chris here from Inside the Armour and I'm here to tell you about the latest developments at ITA Publications. In addition to our new book, Modelling AFV Club Armour, which is a great guide to armour modelling regardless of whether you're building AFV Club or any other great kits. If you want to know all about how to weather, model and present your fantastic armour kits, then really this is the book for you with authors such as David Chow, David Parker, Mark Neville, Ken Abrams, Jose Brito, John Spud Murphy and myself. Also, we're now doing ebooks at long last by popular demand. So far, the only books we've got available are the very popular but out of print Scratch Building Aircraft, a Scratch Building Masterclass book by Megasonos, and String Bag, a modeler's guide to the art of modeling World War I aircraft by Jerome Veen and Flip Hendricks. Both are available now at www.insidethearmor.com along with all our print titles. So head on over there now to get the best books you can buy on scout modeling. <laughs> Welcome to the Sprue Cutters Union, Anton Derbelov and uh, your daughter Sophie. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for this opportunity. Yes. Hello, guys. We have asked you on because you are a fantastic sculptor. 
uh, of busts and miniatures. Could you tell me how you got started in that hobby, how you became a sculptor? Um, hello, Chris. I wanted to thank you for the support that you uh, well, uh, before my father um, answers you, uh, he really wanted to tell you thank you for the support and for uh, because uh, we would not be that far without the guys like you who can uh, help us. The question. Скажи, что я родился в семье художников. Мой папа был скульптором. Я редко uh, my father was born uh, in a family of uh, artists, uh, and uh, he used to like uh, drawing, draw and you know, your things uh, since he was uh, three years old. Most time uh, when he used to be a kid, uh, he liked uh, his father's uh, studio uh, where he Sculpting your main business, or is it something you do uh, in addition to your main employment? you've been sculpting professionally? Tell us a bit about the kind of work that you make. Uh, and finishing with uh, 120 meters. 
work. But my father is a professional, so he can uh, make the sculptures uh, 10 meters uh, high. Wow. So <laughs> the um, maybe the techniques are different, but the principles are the same. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have your own miniatures company? People who my father can speak with uh, or, uh, or like a business company. <laughs> so he sculpts for other companies? Um, my father uh, has his own business, uh, but he also does uh, his uh, miniatures for um, another company. Uh, so it's like both of them. Which uh, which of his pieces might people have seen? For the listeners, the um, the name of the uh, shop. S i r k o toys. Okay, uh, we will put a link uh, for that in the in the show notes, so when people listen, they can see that and see where to go. Okay, uh, but I think you're uh, a bit busy, maybe at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, my father also has uh, lots of uh, orders uh, who um, order work and um, uh, people can see in the stores and uh, um, in shops. Uh, my father's works are like uh, in uh, companies like Legendarion, uh, as my father told me. Um, lots and lots of works uh, which uh, you can see them. И скажи, что есть еще компания миниатюристов, которые я собрал из своих учеников, просто из своих учеников. And my father also has uh, like uh, people um, who he can speak with, uh, like a company of friends. I don't know um, uh, from um, also sculptors, uh, miniaturists um, who. Uh, used to be my father's uh, people's <laughs> students. <laughs> You're a traditional sculptor, right? You don't use 3D, it's all hand sculpted. Uh, what he needs to do and not uh, what he um, 
like um it's it's not uh, what he wants to do <laughs> but uh if you need to he can my father likes uh, working with him me too <laughs> <laughs> do you uh have a favorite material you use for sculpting a favorite putty or um, clay or my father um uses uh, always uses uh, like uh, polymer clay. Polymer clay, yeah. Something similar. <laughs> can can he describe the process? Can I, can you describe the process, Anton, of of how you would build up a figure? Uh, the first thing um, we need is an uh, idea. Then my father does um, a little art, uh, like uh, an esquisse. <laughs> uh, like um, a little sketch uh, of uh, what he will do. So it needs to be hardened at each stage before adding more clay. No, uh, it's just um, it's necessary for uh, the clay to uh, stuck and to be. for different firmness um, yes, from soft to firm yeah. uh, yes, something like that. and do you have a favorite subject subject is like it's like uh, people or animals or like... well I know that uh, Anton has sculpted uh, a Napoleon Bonaparte <laughs> but also uh, the uh, Ukrainian grandmother uh, Uh, no, да, это, 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 это,
my father as a big fan uh, of uh, 17th century. Um, and so it's uh, different warriors, different countries. And my father likes uh, beasts, uh, not like um, portraits. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, also, though, uh, do you paint yourself or do you mainly sculpt? Uh, you mean other portraits or uh, like um, with my father? Does he enjoy painting? My father really likes uh, paintings. Uh, he uh, is a big fan of it. Uh, but um, he studies uh, as a sculptor, so um, he does it professionally and uh, going with the pen, uh, with the, uh, on canvases, with the colors. Um, uh, it's not uh, like professional, so he likes it, but uh, not uh, professional. Uh, but painting miniatures, I mean, he enjoys um, painting miniatures as well as sculpting. Uh, you mean uh, making uh, little sculptures uh, colorful? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, painting those, yeah. Actually, my father, uh, my mother does that. <laughs> um, yes. Скажи, что мне очень нравится писать игрушки, но любой его слушатель сделает это лучше, чем um, my father likes painting uh, his sculptures uh, in the first years, <laughs> um, but um, uh, each of each one can do it better. <laughs> so um, he likes it, but like uh, my, my mother does it, does it because uh, she can do it um, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> My father says that um, your listeners can um, paint uh, his sculptures better than my father himself. <laughs> so. Maybe some, maybe some others not so much. <laughs> uh, your mother is a very good painter, though. No, thank you. We'll tell her. <laughs> Listeners won't be able to see, but there's a beautiful family painting, it looks like, above you. Did your mother paint this? Uh, it's, um, we have a friend uh, who, uh, my mother has a friend, uh, and uh, she's also an artist, and uh, it's no painting. So. Yes, it's, uh, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's very beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I have two sisters, uh, and uh, this is my mom and my sisters. Uh, now, your father doesn't just sculpt, he also Plays ukulele, yes? My father plays the ukulele uh, and um, Spanish guitar um, and uh, he dances flamenco. Very uh, multi talented. <laughs> <laughs> he goes red now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he does all that uh, worse than uh, sculpturing. Yeah, modesty. <laughs> now I see your mother and father also run workshops for children to paint and sculpt. Yeah, у вас есть, Mr. Costa? Скажи, что мы начали проводить 
очень успешные мастер-классы по всей стране. И незадолго до начала ну, и мы проводили какое-то время, пока не начался. They started a really successful program of workshop to children, to adults with the entire with the whole country. They were in Kiev, in Zaporizhia, in And my father really wants to continue um, these uh, workshops uh, after the war, and, and uh, he also wants to open his school. Uh, In your home city, or? Uh, yes, uh, in Kharkiv. We, we, yeah. we live in Kharkiv. <laughs> now, for those that don't know, that's in the north east of Ukraine. Uh, yes, right. <laughs> uh, this is always a difficult question, so take your time. Could you tell me how the war has changed things for you? My father asked, um, have you seen uh, the movie uh, American Frontier? No. It's about uh, the corner with the Indians, uh, uh, Wild West. <laughs> У нас сейчас, сейчас город это а, крепость на границе с варварами. Like, uh, to use the orc metaphor, like Gondor. Uh, yes, <laughs> Gondor. My father thinks that our city is more like a ministry. <laughs> I know at one point the Russians were at the edge of the city, but they're pushed back now. Uh, 
so uh, now they're burnt. <laughs> uh, I don't know what uh, they were thinking about <laughs> when they were riding here. Uh, there were two of them. How has life changed for your family since February? And they fought against the Nazis. Oh, yes, yes. How do you feel when people accuse uh, Ukraine of being Nazis? Uh, which uh, 
which uh, they all used um, in Germany. Um, now uh, Russians use them, so it's just it's crazy. А мы, тем не менее, нам, а мы просто пытаемся защитить нашу землю. И все наше, весь наш нацизм выражается только в том, что мы не захотели видеть своим президентом Путин. Thanks for answering. I know it's um, it's a horrible insult, uh, but some people believe these lies. So I wanted to ask for the for the listeners, mm -hmm. yeah, well, give you a chance to to say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. Now, uh, did Anton? Did you have any military experience before? Uh, the war. My father um, uh, used to study martial arts uh, since uh, he was 15. And my father also studied fencing. Um, huh? Yes, so he And my father um, used to play um, airsoft uh, for many, many years. And uh, he commanded people there, so. Maybe he, we can say that uh, he has some experience. And lots of years, my father uh, worked uh, in uh, SPR, uh, where, um, which is connected with the war um, very closely, because uh, he uh, is uh, a sculptor uh, who и раньше все эти знания мне помогали в лучшей работе с военными фигурками. And, uh, uh, all the things uh, he knows uh, about war and about all that, uh, it uh, used to help him in his work as a sculptor. Uh, but now uh, situation has changed. And now all the things he know uh, help uh, him in uh, a real war. All the things uh, he sees uh, in uh, this real world uh, are not to me. He knew that uh, things are like that. And for us, uh, the war um, started in uh, 2014, so 
Просто именно сейчас мне пришлось взять в руки оружие самому. Но многие мои друзья, наши друзья, уже прошли войну, уже прошли первую войну. Это и вторая. Скажи, что я всегда сравнивал их с политическими войнами. Что сейчас мы находимся в середине второй политической войны. And uh, my father says that uh, now we are like in the second Punic War. No, but there will be the third one. And uh, the Carthagian uh, must be destroyed. My father understands uh, what we not. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of military history. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it must be a, a huge psychological change to go from being an artist to a soldier. Mm. When the enemy is uh, knocking at your door, uh, there's uh, two uh, ways uh, to die and to become, to become a warrior. So, yes. Is there anything you want to say to listeners? Yes, is there any message you would like to give to them? Uh, помочь нашей стране и хотя бы хотя бы тем что они доносили бы правду о том что здесь происходит до своих друзей the biggest uh, thing my father wants to uh, tell everyone uh, to your listeners to everyone in our country in other countries uh, is to uh, share the truth about uh, the war here and uh, to um to to support us uh in this horrible war uh, really really lots of uh, people from your country uh help us And uh, all of this help is uh, really different, and uh, uh, there are lots of variety of this help. 
Но правда а, и говорение этой правды, это то, что доступно всем и каждому. But uh, the truth and telling the truth uh, is uh, the thing which is uh, which everyone can do. И если они могут, чтобы они не забывали о нас. And uh, the big thing is uh, to not forget about us here. Сейчас мы стоим тоненькой линией, которая отделяет современный мир тонкой красной линией. Скажи, что мы сейчас тонкая красная линия, которая отделяет современный мир Европу от волны варварства. We are here uh, like a thin red line uh, which separates um, the civilization, the Europe, the America, the world uh, from um, Barbados and um, the nightmare. Um, there are a few of us, uh, but uh, we fight as a line. <laughs> I think uh, the world un underestimated Ukraine. I think uh, they didn't know how strong you were. You strong you are. That's, that's true. <laughs> uh, and my father um, wants to thank you again. Um, Privately, uh, and if he had such an opportunity, he would uh, shake your hand. Скажи, что я постараюсь, чтобы до нашей встречи мой английский был намного And uh, he will do uh, his best to prove his English uh, to uh, your meeting. Uh, when this war is over, I will learn Ukrainian and I will come to Ukraine. Когда война We remember it was. <laughs> I'll start learning now because I'm really bad at languages. We believe that um, you will do your best. <laughs> yeah. We will be uh, nice teachers. <laughs> ah, thank you. I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about what's happening now. Is there anything else Uh, Anton, you'd like to say about miniatures and about sculpting or anything? Я бы хотел порекомендовать его слушателям использовать в своей работе максимально на те знания, которые может предоставить академическая академическое образование. Mm -hmm. То есть, говори не так. Я, я бы порекомендовал его слушателям а, постоянно расширять свои знания а, за счет анатомии, mm -hmm. там, um... разных, а, разных направлений, которые нам дают искусство. Um... 
the big thing uh, my father like to tell your listeners uh, is uh, about um, to um, expand uh, their knowledge uh, about uh, anatomy, about academic art, about um, all the professional uh, things, and uh, even uh, if. Uh, uh, да, да. И чтобы они ставили перед тобой сложные задачи. И для достижения их, чтобы они больше узнавали. Uh, try hard to know um, more and more uh, while reaching this destination, this hard destination. Uh, each new work is a uh, uh, new step in our in our career and in, in our study. This is something we um, on the podcast we talk about a lot the importance of artistic observation in uh, really looking at things to be able to uh, to make them not just what you think they look like but really looking and uh, anatomy 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 it's uh, i'm an artist too and it's a hard question for me now <laughs> and uh, i'd like to know anatomy better <laughs> My father uh, dreams a lot about um, after the war ends. Uh, he wants to uh, fly to Britain and uh, make his uh, workshops. So it's maybe we can arrange that after the war. I'll help. Uh, turn on their phones uh, most of the time because uh, tenants 
um, shoot uh, on the signals from social. Ну, когда я смогу, я отвечу на все вопросы. But uh, if he has some time, when he can reply. И заодно мы определимся, и если я когда-нибудь доеду до Англии, то у меня уже будут ученики, которые смогут прийти на мои занятия. And that would be a nice thing because when when my father gets to Britain, he maybe would already have some students to to make a workshop. Скажи, что мы дадим ему послушать нашу воздушную тревогу. Oh, wait, Sophie. I can't hear you because he's gone. <laughs> he has the microphone. <laughs> we wait. Ah, <laughs> Um, my father wanted you to hear the sirenas, which are yelling now, but maybe you can't hear it because uh, uh, the microphone is bad. <laughs> what? What was the sound? Uh, it was uh, the sound of uh, sirens. Um, of? Uh, of what, sorry? Sirens. Signal, signal, and then they bombarded. Air raid alert. Ah, air raid siren, yeah? Uh, yes. Do you uh, still have many uh, rocket attacks on yeah. uh, Haki? Every day, every day, every mm. night. Um, and, uh, it's uh, really loud when you sleep and it's like boom, and you are like, hmm, uh, We used to uh, go down in a basement uh, when the war started, but now we are no, we don't want to do that uh, 15 times a day, so we just stay at home, even if, even if, uh, if, the, if there are explosions. It's an insane situation that this is something you've become accustomed to. Yeah, it's, it's like a um, daily routine. <laughs> Um, we uh, now live in the situation which uh, Britain uh, lived in uh, the World War Two. In London. Please stay, stay as safe as you can. Thank you. We will. I think maybe this is enough. Uh, and I, I know we've you've been trying to do this now for two hours with the technology and things. <laughs> I don't want to take uh, all your time together because I know it's very precious. So thank you for for joining yeah. us. Okay, we spend uh, the time here now too. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey Sprue Cutters, it's Chris, and I'm here to tell you all about Tetra Model Works. 
from 170 seconds to 135th, from 1700 to 1350. Tetra Model Works provide you with all the PE you need for your ship, armour or aircraft project. Whether you're building a T-62, PLA frigate or a Royal Navy carrier, Tetra have got the best PE you can find to take your project to the next level. Easy to use, inexpensive and beautifully packaged, Tetra PE is the best PE I've used and I can recommend it to everyone. So go to tetramodel.com now to find out what they have and where you can get it. Or go to my store at insidethearmor.com to see what we have in stock. Yes, and you know, again, this interview, you'll notice that Chris is the only one in the interview because this, uh, you know, Anton was home. He's a soldier, you know, like everybody else in Ukraine who can hold a fucking rifle. You know, he's he's a soldier and he, he was home for a break. Um, and Chris was really the only one who could finagle the time to do it. Uh, so it's really well worth your time. It, it I found that headphones helped a lot to understand as much as i could um but yeah we were really appreciative of the time that they took uh to talk to chris and obviously the the message that they're sending across and and you know their bravery and we're we're just letting them know that the world is listening and you know we're you know at least uh i'll speak for the people that i know we're all pulling for you man yeah, all that. I can't say any of that any better. Um, it's a little challenging to listen to because of the audio, but yeah, look, it is what it is. And good on you, Chris, for for being dedicated to that cause and taking the time. And and like Tracy said, you know, to them for being willing to, you know, stop what is, uh, I'm sure, a lot of other really important things to to do that. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't argue with that. The the um... Not only did they give us their time, but they even did it. There was even an air raid while they were uh, talking to me. And, you know, and, and Anton took the microphone outside to try and pick up the sound of the air raid siren. So, you know, I mean, when they said that they don't even go to the shelter anymore because it's like yeah, 15 times was, a day. Yeah, that hits pretty hard. I don't know how you get more authentic and real. It broke my heart when his 16-year-old daughter just said, well, that's the routine now, you know. All right, guys, keep an eye on the Sprue Cuts Union page because there is a new project I'm doing separate from the Sprue Cuts Union that I will be linking to on there. Other than that, we'll be back next time uh, with Tracy's show with uh, the phenomenal David Lane, whose interview we recorded yesterday. And God, what a great chat that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. super good. Yeah, lots of fun. Really, I think that's, that's um, classic Sprue Cuts Union content. I think people are going to love that. I do too. All right, so from me... Thanks for listening. Adios, bitches. Auf Wiedersehen. Bye.